the Football Mental Health Alliance podcast, a mental health podcast for grassroots football. Our aim, to boldly delve into the intersection of mental health and football. We feature notable experts and ex-pros who are not afraid to share their wisdom and personal journeys with mental health. In this next episode of the Football Mental Health Alliance podcast, I meet Ross Preston, the founder of Challenger Mindset. In this episode, we discuss psychology, resilience and confidence in grassroots football. Ross has worked with the likes of Manchester United Academy and the Rugby Football League match officials and also works alongside young people in education on a continual basis. We cover many facets of sports psychology. We cover what it is and why it's crucial for footballers at all levels, particularly grassroots. What resilience means in a football context, how parents and caregivers can support the development of resilience in young footballers and quick wins that coaches or parents can implement to boost player confidence in the short term. Thank you, Ross. Hi, Ross. Right. So um, really, really appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Really excited about this. Um, We'll get straight into it. I'll let you explain who you are. So could you tell us about Challenger Mindset and how it aims to empower athletes and performers? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, Danny, thank you for having me on. Um, Really appreciate it. It's actually my first podcast, so hopefully I can can do you proud. yeah, so I'm, I'm Ross. I'm a mental performance coach. I'm currently training um, on what's called the CPAR pathway um, to become a fully qualified sport uh, and exercise psychologist. Um, and so through that, I've recently um, opened up my own sports psychology consultancy um, called Challenger Mindset um, with the aim of yeah empowering athletes and essentially equipping them with the insight and the knowledge and the tools um, to kind of manage their own their own mind, manage the challenges that sport throws at them, um, and to enable them to take as much control as possible over their own performance, um, focus on the right things in and out of sport um, that are going to help them to thrive um, rather than be held back by lacking in certain areas of, of their mental game. Um, and so, yeah, that's essentially a, a quick summary of, of my business and what I'm doing at the moment. Brilliant. Was was there anything that 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 sort of led you to think this is what I, this is what's needed? This is what I need to do. Did you see a gap? You know, what was what was the catalyst for Challenger Mindset? I think, um, yeah, a mixture a mixture of things. You know, my personal kind of goals and things, and, and I quite like the idea of. Of having my own consultancy and and bringing clients in and having control of my own time and kind of being my own boss essentially, um, as well as the fact that I, I you know more importantly I love that one to one consultancy I love developing those relationships um, with the performers and the athletes um, and going on that journey with them where we start off with you know often it is an, an issue but it doesn't have to be um, starting off with with a goal that they want to achieve and working through that with them. And supporting that process um, of development and again them gaining insight um, and just the little wins along the way are so 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 gratifying for me and for the client yeah. um, and it's just really motivating to, to carry on um, you know it's it's not the easiest industry to be in 
um but it's it's really really rewarding and and that's that was the thing for me i'm really passionate about sports psychology and i know this is the career that i want to take um and i love helping people as well um and sport was just kind of my area of interest that i wanted to help people in so when you say it's it's not an easy industry to to work in what can you just like could you define that to a, a layman like myself out what, what what makes it difficult yeah of course i think we're still We've come on a long way in terms of people's buy-in to sports psychology. Um, and obviously, kind of, if you look at it 20 years ago, there was still a lot of scepticism around um, the benefits or is it helpful? You know, are sports psychologists valuable? Um, whereas now, I think with the amount of players that are coming out and saying, yeah, I've worked for the sports psychologist, mm-hmm. you know, it's really benefiting me, so what? Um, that stigma against it has kind of gone down. I think, you know, mm. there's obviously the Deli Alley thing. Um, ben Chilwell, I think, came out. Tyron Mings, mm. a lot of high-profile players have, have now said they're, they're working with a sports psychologist. It's, it's well-documented now. Um, and I think that awareness and understanding of sports psychology being important and how important the mental game is um, has really risen. Um, I think the, the the step that we need to take now is to make it, more accepted and more bought into is kind of how do we actually take that knowledge and, and implement it into training the same way as we would with strength and conditioning, yeah. you know, getting players fitter, getting players um, healthier in their diet. Um, everyone knows at a basic level how to do that, whereas I feel as though less people know how to implement the mental training. Yeah. Um, and that makes it sometimes difficult Um to work in and get that buy-in as much yeah. as easy as, as a nutritionist or a strength and conditioning coach might do. I think I think like I, I totally you know from in, in my experience totally totally get where you're coming from with that you know it, for me a complete nonsense nonsense not to have you know an element of psychological training mental health training in in any you know organization or or entity or industry but in football or sport where you know the majority of the game is played upstairs isn't it in your head not not yeah. in your feet and uh, i've never understood why why teams and the sport has not embraced that earlier on but then talking about when you talked about strength and conditioning training and nutritional training that's probably only come in in the last 10 15 years hasn't it you know you, yeah. you look I, I listen to podcasts from ex-pros where you know your Roy Keane's example where they'd play or Paul McGrath back in the day there'd be and, and some Arsenal players you know Tony Adams who's had well documented battles Ray Parler Paul Merson you know they were out drinking straight yeah. after training Thursday night club I think they called it and that was when Arsene Wenger were arrived and you know he changed a lot of that didn't he so I think that, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about now the sport is seeing the value of, you know, psychological profiling, training, et cetera, et cetera. So I think people like yourself that, that are coming in early are in a great position to to lead that conversation and educate. And that's, for me, mm-hmm. what it's about, educating the sport and the, the decision makers within the sport that at all levels this should be the norm. So I, I totally get you. So moving on from that, then, can you explain what sports psychology is and why it's crucial for footballers at all levels, particularly, you know, grassroots level where, where people might think that it's not important? Mm. So 
I mean, kind of the, the I guess, you know, sports psychology is the the use of psychological knowledge and skills um, to benefit the performance and the well-being of athletes. Um, so I like to think of it, you know, there, and there's different approaches within the 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 domain of sports psychology. So it's hard to kind of nutshell it into one answer. Um, but for me, it's about you know, learning to manage your mind, manage those difficult thoughts, manage those difficult emotions that football, in this example, will throw up um, inevitably. It's going to happen. There are so many challenges and setbacks and, and demands of, of football that are going to challenge you mentally. And it's about be learning the skills and having the knowledge of how to manage that, how to refocus on what you're doing in that moment, what you need to do to perform well, and then that enables you to perform those actions and, and reach your potential or play to your potential. And alongside that, looking at a well-being aspect, can you then go away from the game and not almost get caught up in what happened yesterday mm. in a match? You know, Can you then go back and do what's important in school, what's important in day-to-day -day life without being in your own head about, oh, I, I made that mistake yesterday, I missed that chance yesterday. And that is the kind of the well-being aspect of, as well as your is your identity being consumed by football or do you have, is it just one part of it? And do you have, do you have a healthy balance of, of all the other aspects? So how, as a, as a coach or as a parent or a carer of someone that, you know, plays football, what sort of signs could I be looking out for that, you know, my son, daughter, one of my players is experiencing some, is psychological stress the correct one, a, a term to use? Yeah, 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 that's fine. So, yes, yeah, stress or I guess an, an issue psychologically, you know, whether, and obviously there's different issues with different uh, signs, but I guess key things to to listen and look out for are, you know, how is that young player talking about themselves as a player? You know, are they are they showing quite almost like rigid beliefs or inflexible beliefs about themselves? You know, I'm never going to if they're maybe pursuing a career through academy or pursuing to get into an academy. You know, I'm I'm never going to make it. You know, I'm I'm rubbish. I'm never going to make it. You know, that rigid belief that it's never going to happen. Mm. They're holding it strongly um you know what are their expectations of themselves are they are they realistic or are they really high and is that impacting on on their mental health and, and confidence and things like that um you know you, we can also look at behavior are they are they being their usual self or have they been maybe become a bit withdrawn mm. are they are they are they now suddenly kind of hiding in in training and in games, whereas they're usually quite actively looking for the ball yeah. uh, and wanting to get on the ball and do things? Are they taking those risks that they usually would, or are they almost playing within themselves? Um, and you know, we'd like we'd love it if these issues kind of slapped us in the face, but often they don't. It, it's picking up on those kind of subtle, more subtle cues and and things in that you can notice that there's difference, maybe from last week to this week. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's kind of just those sort of things that, that change that are the first step to kind of checking in with that player and assessing, mm -hmm. okay, is something going on here? Um, and also as well, considering the bigger picture, okay, you know, they, they might be bringing something from school onto the pitch that's affecting their focus or something like that. Um, 
you know, they may be thinking about the fact that they're getting bullied. They may be thinking about the fact that they're not doing too well in their exams at the minute. You know, is something going on at home? And that can all be brought onto the pitch. Mm-hmm. We have to view the whole picture, not just what's going on in football, what's going on in training, um, because there are so many factors that can impact on that. Um, so that's for me, yeah, it's just assessing kind of language, um, body, body language as well, what we can see, behaviour, uh, and then what's going on around them and in their environment that could be impacting on, on these factors that ultimately impacts performance and, and well-being. You used a good term there, check-in. Um, mm. Could you give us some examples of how maybe, if, if you're looking from the player, so a player would generally have, like, at any level, the coaching, the coach, the coaching staff and the family. Could you give us some examples of how, as a coach, you can check in with your players and as a parent, carer, guardian, family member, you could check in with your son, daughter, you know, mm-hmm. the person you're looking after, etc. Yeah, yeah. I think with the coaches, obviously, they're going to be probably confined to time uh, training, time in matches. So, uh, you know, probably training is the best place to do it because there's not that kind of significance of oh, mm. they've got to play and focus on the game. Um so, you know, it can be a case of simply a case of whilst the drill is going on, pulling them off, off out of the drill quickly and just having, you know, two minutes just to check in. You know, are you OK? I've noticed that, you know, this week you're not asking for the ball or as much or you're a bit quiet this week. You know, it doesn't have to be accusatory. You know, are you are you have you got is your confidence low at the minute? Just a simple question. And they may or may not divulge that information at that point, but it's just that that case of letting them know you are there Mm. um and if you keep checking in and letting them know that you're invested in in their well-being then eventually they will feel safe enough to tell you um ideally you know you want that to be on the first time but it might take a couple of of checks um so i think that's one easy way you know and then if it's if there's a drill going on as well they don't feel like they're getting singled out the players aren't all going to be watching Mm. them all coaches chatting to him what's up with him you know it can they might think that he's just talking about the drill or something um so it makes that player feel a bit less comfortable, a bit less watched, um, which can help that process of them actually, you know, confiding in the coach. Yeah. Um, in terms of parents, obviously, there's a lot more opportunity to chat with with the with the players and the kid there. Um, I think the car journey, you know, to and from games is a great opportunity to to check in with them. Um, you know, just a simple question: How did you think you played today? You know, not you played you played this way or you played that way. How do mm. you think you played today? And then it, it hands the responsibility over to them to assess their how they did, you know, assess how they're feeling about it. And then they, it helps with that that sense making, that awareness of, oh, okay, actually, I, I felt like I didn't do too well today. That made me feel frustrated. Um, and it helps with that gaining that emotional understanding and things like that that are so vital to develop at this age. Mm. Um, and so I think that yeah, like the car the car journey is a great opportunity for that. Um, but again, it's it's making the player feel safe or your child mm-hmm. feel safe to confide that into you. So you can almost model that behavior to them to make them yeah. feel safe to do that. You know, oh, you know, I understand you might be feeling a bit frustrated after today. I remember when I made a mistake in a game, when I missed mm-hmm. a penalty in a game, I felt so frustrated, you know, but I got through it and I, I felt OK, you know, after a week or so when I got the chance to to, to make up for it in the next game. And it's that idea that you're normalizing that experience for them and they know it's okay to feel that way um because it might be the first time they've they've missed a penalty or they've gone through that Mm. setback or they felt that emotion uh and so yeah for parents i think yeah grabbing the chances to normalize those feelings and those experiences is so important 
I, th I think I think a good word, you know, from my perspective that you used there was accusatory. And mm. I think, you know, if you come in to anyone with an accusatory tone or language, the barriers are going to go up straight away, aren't they? Yeah. You know, so so by, you know, using the, you know, the, the open questions. And, and I think, I don't know what you think, but I've seen that if you use those open questions and if, you know, that player is not in a position or headspace to talk about it, don't push it. Mm. It would be, you yeah. know, in my experience, you just let them go. You know, the more you yeah. push, the more you're going to get pushed back at you, yeah. you, you know, and I think that it's, it's, Trying to not let it, you know, let them lead the conversation. If they don't want to go down that path, fine. There'll be another time to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think, like what you say, just just keeping talking to them from a, a you know a parental or guardian perspective and a coach perspective is just letting them know that the door is always open and 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 you know it's there for them to 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 talk if they want to. So yeah, yeah, fantastic advice, Ross. Um, so resilience is often talked about as an essential mental skill for athletes. Can you break down what resilience means in a football context? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so resilience is basically the quality of experiencing adversity, or as you mentioned before, that word a stressor, um, and then essentially going through the process of either being able to withstand that and having the quality to withstand that and carry on performing and acting in the way that you were before or you might players might enter a bit of a, of a dip um, where they experience some of those psychological issues but then they're able to recover and respond effectively to then refocus and perform well again um, so in the context of football if we give a football example that may be for example a striker let's take a striker um, they miss a penalty um, so a resilience response there would be to either straight away they're refocused. They might, they probably will have their those thoughts going. Oh, I can't believe you just missed that, or I just scored that. But they're able to refocus immediately. They're pressing the defenders straight away. Two minutes later, they're still focused on what what they can do to essentially influence the game. They make a great run, get played through, and they slot away the chance. And that response is obviously very, very positive response to yeah. adversity um on the flip side you know you can you can go into that almost that dip a bit mm. with resilience where you know they, they missed a penalty maybe it's late in the game the game finishes they lose one nil um there's that sense of oh, i've cost us the game yeah um but then they're able to kind of interpret in the head that okay there was you know, there's other factors that that contribute to us losing that game you know, my miss penalty was was obviously a, a mistake on my part, but mm -hmm. I can now refocus on training this week. I'll come back next week better. They're focused in training and then they're able to perform in the way they want it in the next game. And so it's basically being able to yeah get back on track essentially as yeah. as soon as possible, um, despite that adversity and that or that mistake happening to them, that setback. Um, and that's not to say that those those they won't feel you know, difficult thoughts and emotions about that experience, but it's the fact that they're able to refocus um, on doing what's important to recover from it. I think like um, Stephen Corker, who's uh, ex-Tottenham, yeah. Liverpool, uh, Spurs, Southampton, QPR, uh, played for England in 2012. Yeah, yeah. Um, I recently listened to a podcast he said, and he's, he's like I say, he's an ambassador for the vault, a fantastic guy. And yeah. he said, just picking up on what you said there, Ross, he, he said that 
if I made a mistake in the 10th minute, for example, it, it stayed with me all game. Mm-hmm. All game, it was with me. And um, I think from like a, a playing perspective, you know, I, I never played at a good level or anything, but I played football. And whenever I made a mistake, for me, I always felt like I'd also let my team down as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think the weight of you've let yourself down, I'm not saying that's correct, but that's the feeling that you might have. Yeah. And then also the added feeling of, I've let my team down. And I think, I don't know about yourself, but if you look at the two ends of the pitch, the closer you are to the goal, sometimes you, the more influence you have in the game. So if you're a keeper, yeah. generally you make a mistake, you know, it, it, it results in a goal. As yeah. a defender, you make a mistake closer to your own goal, it could result in a chance for a goal for the opposition. And as a striker, you know, you, you miss a few chances again, you could lose 1-0 and that striker could have had three good chances. So I think there maybe the psychological aspect of I've let the team down as well, you know, mm. and then looking at a broader level when you move into the professional game, you've also let tens of thousands of people down yeah. in the stand, yeah. which is not the case, but would that be a fair assessment of, you know, a, a thing that, that could be going through a player's mind? Yeah, and I think what's really important is what you mentioned about uh, Stephen Corker saying that you know the the mistake would stay in his mind for the rest of the game. That's something to emphasize. I think really you know, it's, you know some people may believe that they can pick out the mistake and just throw it away, but mm. it's it's completely normal to to make a mistake and for that to be running through your mind for the rest mm. of the game because that's what our mind does. Um, but you know our mind's trying to protect us. It wants us to get out of that potential stressful situation. What we need to do is learn the skills to let that thought be there, let yeah. that worry be there about that mistake, but still be able to focus on what matters in the match. What are my responsibilities? How do I perform my actions in this game to fulfil my role in my position and help the team, you know, achieve their goal? Yeah. And so it's not a sense of that we have to get rid of of difficult thoughts and feelings. It's a sense of learning to let them be there without mm. them making uh, make, contributing us to and making more mistakes later yeah. in the in the game. Um, and so yeah, you know, that element of of kind of letting the team down. There's so many factors that that come into making a mistake. It, it's a big one, and it's important. Again, I think the a foundational level for all players to have at any level, to have the ability to manage those thoughts and feelings, those worries yeah. that they might be having mid-game and, and after in the game as well, because because that ultimately can be taken into the next day at school, uh, into the week. You know, I remember mm. when I used to play, if I had, a, a, again, not at any great level at all, you know, it's just Sunday league grassroots, mm. but I'd be going into school, you know, maybe I'd made a mistake on that the day before on Sunday, you get a bit of bit of banter from your mates about it, which is all, you know, all, all good fun. Um, but I'd you know I'd beat myself up about it because yeah. I I'd let my my friends down who were in my team, yeah. and you know to some people that might not seem significant because it's just Sunday league, but to mm. us it is significant, and to yeah. every kid it's significant. You know they look forward to a Sunday or a Saturday all mm. week. They all yeah. want to win for each other, and mm. if you're the one that makes the mistake and and lets the team down and like and you feel like you've let yourself down. It, it can be really difficult yeah. and it, you know just because it's not academy or professional level doesn't mean that it's not gonna it's not gonna impact that person's well-being yeah totally I remember when I played same no great standard standard Sunday league and when we transitioned from junior you know kids football so maybe under 16s we yeah. went we then went into the open age to the adult section 
So we went from under 16s into adults, into adult football. And the first game we had a friendly. I made a mistake, uh, led to a goal, and I was devastated. And I went home and got in the bath after the game and cried in the bath. You know, and I look back now yeah. and 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 you know, obviously. If you knew, if you knew then what you know now, we'd all be in completely different situations, yeah. and that's not the case. But you know, I, I, I totally, I was the same. You know, I, I remember crying in the bath about this mistake that I made. I had a crap game, and it was all because I put myself under so much pressure because it was the first game, and I was stressed, and it meant so much to me because football back then was my life. I lived for the weekend to play football. Yeah. So going back to then, so you know, we, we've said about mistakes and not trying to get rid of them, but live with them through the game. Mm. What exercises or practices can grassroots coaches use to build resilience in their players based on what we've just spoke about? If you make a mistake, how can we help them move on from it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not, it's not easy. Um, but I think the focus for a coach and some things to consider should be what environment are they creating? Um, we've got this thing called a facilitative environment for resilience. So we can just call it a pro-resilience environment here for in simpler terms. And essentially what we want is, and what's been found is that resilience is developed through having high support and high challenge. Um, so there's that opportunity for, well, there's challenge. So there's an opportunity for setbacks, demand, failure even to occur. But there's also that that balance of, of high support there where players can fail safely, essentially. Yeah. So they're not entering that adversity and they're just left to kind of dwell on it, essentially. Um, and so what we want the features would be, you know, provide kind of incorporating healthy competition into, into training, you know, whereby everyone's on the same page. We all know why we're challenging ourselves. We're all trying to achieve the same the same goal, so it can be useful as a team to sit down and go, "What do we want to do this season?" Even at grassroots level, what do we want to what do we want to achieve? Do we just want to enjoy the season? Do we want to do we want to improve in certain way? Everyone on the same page, and get everyone with that collective sense of support in each other. So when those adversities do occur in training, no one's on each other's back. It's not unhealthy in that way. Everyone's supporting each other through that adversity, and that that helps players understand that mistakes and adversity yeah. is an opportunity to grow and respond well, which is underpins obviously resilience. Yeah. Also, you know, I think that opportunity to fail safely is so key, you know, because we know that players need to be allowed to take risks because if they're allowed to take risks, they can try new things, they can be creative. And that's where, again, development occurs. But too often players are jumped on by teammates mm-hmm. and coaches as well for trying something mate it ends up in a mistake and you know it's they can't fail safely essentially yeah and and that's not to say players you know center back should be trying turns in the middle of the box you know it's <laughs> it's about sensible risks yeah. Yeah. um but encouraging those sensible risks and seeing them as a chance to develop yeah. um is really key for creating that environment where where players are challenged but also supported and I think if we can emphasize that through that and the message needs to be that, you know, this adversity and these mistakes can help you learn. Players become more comfortable with with making mistakes and, and being mm. in these situations where they might not feel good at the time, but they'll see eventually that it's positive. 
Yeah. Um, I read a quote that I loved about this actually. It's in terms of this type of environment. It was trouble the comfortable and comfort the troubled. So you kind of bring the troubled down to this level of, of supported and bring the comfortable up to this level of challenged. And you've got this nice level of challenge and supported, which which helps develop that resilience in the environment. Just say that again. So it's trouble the comfortable and comfort the troubled. So as in players. So yeah. uh, if, they, if, they, if they're playing within their comfort zone, put a bit more, not pressure on them, but give them more challenges. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Are they too comfortable? Are they, are they yeah. bored, essentially, yeah. you know, and that stunting that development because they're bored. They're not being challenged enough. Mm. Um, they're in that kind of easy zone of, and that's why players maybe sometimes get moved up age groups and things like that to provide that additional yeah. challenge. Uh, and then the troubled would be the, the players that maybe don't feel as though they are supported enough mm. or supported healthily and bringing them down into that that level of support where that matches their the challenge they're, they're meeting um, and facilitates that res, that resilience being developed. Love that. Just just say it for us one more time, that, that phrase. Trouble the comfortable and comfort the troubled. Fantastic. And the guy who said it, I can't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Google it and see, but that's brilliant. And that that's like life. That's like life, isn't it? You know, in, in a work setting, in a school, college, university setting, it, 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 it fits into life that. But I think for me, life yeah. mirrors football. It does really, yeah. you know, it, it is, you know, and I think that's why it's so emotive, football, because it, it mirrors life and life mirrors football. And people that maybe don't understand football will think that's, ridiculous phrase but yeah anyone that understands football you know it it, 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 it fits doesn't it so yeah. so how could so we, we've spoke about you know how we could identify players and signs from players that maybe they are struggling with low confidence how how can low confidence be linked to their mental health i think you know what you kind of see with low confidence is those 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 rigid beliefs as we spoke about before often yeah. very self self-critical um and if we're obviously talking in the the context of of sport you know that would be kind of sport confidence their belief yeah. in their ability to play their sport well to perform well in games in football and this, it's quite similar when we look at kind of mental health symptoms it just becomes more about their beliefs about themselves as a person mm-hmm. you know i am instead of you know i am worthless as a footballer yeah. i am worthless yeah. as a person and you know it kind of starts drifting in it can spill over i think into into mm. other areas of their life and that's where it becomes more problematic um because yeah those those worries and their, their, their concept of themselves becomes it starts to kind of define them in their in yeah. their head um also you know it, it can start impacting their view of the future you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to make it in academy football. I'm not going to make it anywhere in life now. Mm. And yeah. it's like that, almost like catastrophizing. Yeah. Um, and that kind of end of the world thinking, um, that is that happens when you're young because you don't, you, it does feel like the end of the world often when yeah. we go through these, when you go through those setbacks at that age, you've not experienced them before. You know, maybe none of your friends have gone through a similar experience, so it's tough to see where someone you know an example of someone who's who's gone through it successfully you're maybe you've not heard your parents talk about how they went through setbacks and came out the other side mm. and, you, and you just feel like oh my god you know this is this is the worst thing ever what am I going to mm. do and 
yes, so it, it's kind of I feel like the, the low confidence in football it's it's kind of a, a mini version of what can can spill out into into wider mental health issues. Um, and as you say, sport is kind of a mini version of life. And when there's a lot of significance placed on football, especially if you're pursuing it as a as a career, you know, going into academies and things like that, it, you know, it does form a, a big part of your identity. And if that's taken away or if that's not going the way you want it to, that then mm. you are going to form these these perceptions yeah. of yourself. And it, it's it's really important to to educate um, parents, coaches, and players around that what that might look like and how to manage it. I speak to my son about fear and mistakes all the time. You know, certainly, you know, I try and use football as a metaphor for life with him. Yeah. And I'll say to him, I'll say, look, Jude, I'll say, you know, do you, I, I get nervous. I get nervous every day going into work. So I yeah. know I've got so much to do and so much to build and things to achieve and hurdles to overcome. You know, mm. I, I get and I think sometimes my son looks at me as if I'm this, you know, indestructible Iron 100%. Man or Superman. And I said, Jude, I get nervous every day. And I said, do you know what as well? Do you know why I know what I know? It's because I make mistakes every day. Yeah. I, make mis I make mistakes every day. Mm. I try, though, to not mis make the same mistake again. Yeah. So I yeah. don't beat myself up for making a mistake. But I, I then try as hard as I possibly can to not make that mistake again. And that's the only way you learn, isn't it? Yeah, mistakes. The, it's the only way anyone learns. The ironic thing is that, you know, these players are probably... You know, you talk about like fear. They probably they're feeling fear or, or whatever yeah, it might fear, be, anxi yeah. anxiety or anything, any emotion. And they're probably standing on the training ground thinking, "I'm the only one here that's feeling this way." When actually, especially in you know the higher up you get, there's probably ninety percent of the of the team are feeling that. Mm. But it's a case of they're unaware of it, and they're unaware that it's normal. You know, there's a lot of emphasis placed on enjoyment, which is rightfully so. Yeah. But enjoyment's not the only emotion or feeling that you're going to experience in football. And we need to normalise doubt, uncertainty, mm. stress, fear uh, as being all part of the process. If you want to play sport, if you want to play football mm. at a competitive level, so it's all part of it. And and that's why I think that the education around how to manage it is so important, because it is inevitable that they're going to experience it. And some some players will be able to manage it more naturally than others. Mm. And and that's the key, getting everyone to like a baseline level. I think that they're able to handle those 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 challenges and then they have those skills to take into whatever journey the path yeah. they take on in life. I think, like you say, though, when you said about, you know, a player thinking i must be the only one that's think feeling like this that is just like every human being on the planet yeah. isn't it yeah. you know we, yeah. we all think oh it's, it, i'm the only one that that gets worried about this or i'm the only one that's nervous about this or i'm the only one that experiences fear around this situation and yeah. we're all human we all have those uh, emotions don't we I, yeah. I think that those of us that learn to understand these emotions and embrace them and the mm. ones that, you know, get further, shall we say, if you're using football, they're the ones that that maybe get further or play at a higher standard or become better mm. players. Because it's not yeah. always about how good you are at football. You know, you can be brilliant at football, but if you don't have the tools, you know, upstairs, for want of a better term, to, to, to manage what you can do with your feet, then you're not going to get anywhere, are you? You know, and, and that's where it goes back to my first point about the sport 
you know, working on players' mental health, working on psychological strengths and mm -hmm. building them up mentally as much as they build them up physically when they're doing strength training and such like. Um, are there any quick wins that coaches or parents could implement to boost player confidence? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's careful to, we've got to be careful to make mental training things sound easy, but there yeah. are, there are simple things that parents can do to kind of assist that process. Um, first one I think is, you know, the, the biggest course of the biggest source of confidence um, that we have as people is what we've accomplished and successes that we have. And kind and when we're in that kind of low confidence state, it's very easy to lean towards all the negatives and all the mm. things we haven't achieved, all the things we've perceived we've failed on, especially at a young age. And so I think parents can assist that just by balancing the books a bit, you know, emphasize what, you know, what your child's accomplished, what, and what, what have they done well that week as well, rather than just focusing on all the negatives mm. of what they felt they did wrong in the game. You know, vid you can support that as well by just where possible, obviously where there's permissions, by videotaping things that they mm. do well. You know, if you if you maybe watch them play in the garden, for example, mm. or whatever, um, you know, recording little accomplishments that, that they make mm. and just balancing that, that perspective of themselves a bit. Um, obviously it's got to be realistic if they have had a shocker and they know they've had a shocker <laughs> yeah. and you, 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 they walk off and you go, Oh, you're amazing today. They're not yeah. going to see that as building yeah. that as a source of, of confidence for themselves. Um, but that's where even you can also bring in kind of success stories of other people that are similar yeah. to them, you know, Oh, I, you know, look at this, uh, Joe, you know, Trent, when he was your age, he went mm. through this and, and he, he found it really positive experience or he was successful after it you know bringing their role models i think that's really really um really effective because they idolize them so much and they, if they see that these superheroes actually went through the same thing as they did yeah. the same injury and overcame it or or something like that it's really powerful and, and they, they can see that oh okay you know i've got a bit more confidence now that i can do that as well mm. um and it could even be a friend of theirs you know if, if you're if their friend tore their hamstring and then they've just torn their hamstring yeah. look at what how michael came through mm. his hamstring tear and came mm. back you can do it too um so little things like that emphasizing those those strengths and those those successes again going back to another simple thing just normalizing the those those experiences yeah those emotions we already touched on that um but it's su such a simple thing to do that that maybe isn't done enough um and then i would say as well kind of checking in with what their expectations are yeah. of themselves so with confidence this is especially true when it maybe looks to parents on the sideline and the coach as though they have played well maybe they've scored two goals but they're trudging off the pitch saying i didn't i didn't play well there i didn't yeah. i didn't play well enough and you're thinking well, wait you just scored two goals what's what's the problem but in their head if they're thinking i should have scored three or i should be a win i should have won every header and i only won you know 85 percent of them they're not accessing that that source of confidence in terms of being successful yeah. you know if they perceive that missing one chance is a failure and they're yeah. never going to feel the the confidence from yeah. getting that sense of success and achievement so you know it can be helpful to kind of gently reframe those expectations um you know i understand why you want to score every chance but you know does harlan score every chance mm -hmm. or does he you know does he score a hat-trick every game no and then it's just kind of making giving them that more realistic view of what's achievable 
And then when they do score two goals, maybe they can see it more as a success. That's what I say to my to, to my son. You know, I'll say, you know, does 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 Haaland score with every shot? Yeah. Does you know? No. And and, and I ask him the question, to, and and I don't I don't say anything until he's answered. Not yeah. putting pressure on okay. him. I, I need him to 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 answer the question, but it to stick on him. And I have mm. to, you know, my son's the type of player where he needs encouragement all the time. You know, an arm around him. I was very much. I needed someone to kick me up ass and say, yeah. You know, maybe you know, shout a few expletives at me and tell me I'm crap. That got me going. I said, I'm, you know, my son's the opposite. He he needs that, you know. And he'll say to me, no, no, he doesn't. I say, so why do you think you you need to? It's un it's unrealistic for anyone to score every chance or win every tackle or put every cross in or every you know. He's unrealistic. So you try and look at the things that you've done well instead of dwelling on the things that he didn't do. And he's sort of one of them players that if he misses a chance, he then starts getting a bit frustrated and he'll, then he'll start snatching and it gets yeah. worse and it becomes like a, you know, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy then in each game. And one of the things I've spoke to him about is just doing breathing exercise. So big thing I'm about is box breathing. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, look, you can do the box breathing in the middle of a game. So if you find yourself getting a bit hit up, a bit stressed, a bit anxious, a bit tense, just use the box breathing exercises. No one knows you're doing it because no one can see. And it'll just, you can be while you're walking back, while you're getting in position. If you mm. do these box breathing exercises, I guarantee you, Jude, it will bring you down. It'll start, it'll enable you to start thinking more positively and more more straight. And uh, he's done that. And he said to Mister, yeah, it really works that. You know, to just, just give us, could you give us some, um, some tips around breathing and why it's so important then? Yeah, I think it, it, the thing with breathing for me is that it, it grounds you, the player or whoever's doing it, back into the, the present. And ultimately that's, you know, you can't play football in the past, you can't play football in the future, you can only play in the present. Yeah. And breathing is great for just grounding us in that present moment. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. It all links really back to focus there. You mm. know, breathing, obviously it's got kind of relaxing effects as well. Um, and kind of combats that anxiety and stress that they may be feeling a bit and just brings them back to a level where they can focus and think, okay, this has happened, but what am I, what do I need to do now at this moment mm. in the game? Or even if it's outside the game, what do I need to do now to to do the best for myself and, and, and do something beneficial for me rather than dwelling on the past or the future? Because ultimately we know that even though we feel like we're working something out in our head when mm. we're worrying about it and things like that, yeah. it tends never to be the case. We just go around yeah. in circles. Um, and so, yeah, any any type of breathing exercise, I think, is really great for that. Um, there's little thought management exercises as well that we can use to separate ourselves um, from from thoughts we're having that are kind of ruling over and um, dominating our, mm. our minds. So in the match, we can kind of just say, thanks, mind, but I'm going to focus on whatever it is that is their responsibility in the game um and it's just a quick quick little tools that you can kind of just create separation from that thought we're yeah. not getting rid of the thought you know it's fine that it's there it's going to be yeah. there you just you just made a mistake but it's about creating that separation mm. to then be able to focus on what's important because ultimately if we just focusing on that thought and that mistake it's going to lead to more mistakes later yeah. on and then that obviously has a collateral effect on on well-being yeah. after the game and and how they feel so 
for me, yeah, it's 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 those little quick tools that are, that are actionable that can be really effective, um, and parents can learn them, and 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 that's what I cover a lot in my content. I try and take the the kind of not the boring stuff, but the the theory and the research and make it yeah. more accessible and actionable yeah. and relatable, yeah. relatable for parents um, for parents to kind of pluck out and just say, okay, that, that's something that I could actually yeah. do, you know, with my child. That's something I could teach them. It's not too complex. Um, you know and obviously the more complex stuff is where you kind of sports psychologists might yeah. come in um but yeah i try and make it you know distribute some little actionable tips like that just yeah. to to help out um as you say in that car journey if you, you, know, you try this next time yeah um i think i think yeah you see i totally agree what you're saying there because if like if a coach or a parent caregiver doesn't understand the technique and what it does they can't explain it to the player can they yeah so so they need educating around you know mental health and and how it affects positively and negatively football i think you know what you said then as well about you can't play football in the past and you can't play football in the present you can only play football in the future i guess a metaphor for life isn't it? you know it is yeah that is life and 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 i think a lot of us do you know, live our lives in the past and the future, and mm. and and instead of being in the, I'm, I'm a classic example. I'm all I'm doing is always looking forward at where I'm going, yeah. to the point that I've blocked stuff out in the past that I've done well, and also that hasn't gone well, and that I know does hold me back sometimes because I, I I I'm I'm always looking six, twelve, eighteen months in the future, mm. and I think what's well, in the past, forget it. But things in the past when you you know unpack them do help don't they and i unpack them yeah. and then i just chuck them away and I, I i leave the the husks of negativity i get rid of but also the husks of positivity as well i also yeah. they, they all go in the same bin so well, i get what you're saying that's another thing that's that's just prompted me there um that parents can easily bring in with their kids just journaling yeah it's just you know buy a little journal um you know writing down different feelings that they're experiencing different things they've done well that week strengths getting that just getting it all down on paper you know what am I experiencing when is it when am I feeling that way what's causing it or what's 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 coming before that um you know what have I done well this week what are my strengths and successes that I've done just journal little things what do I want to achieve little goals you know journaling so so simple and yet no one really does it it's not the most exciting activity to do you know i'm sure they'd rather be on xbox but it only takes five minutes yeah um and it can make a big difference and as you say you don't it's then it's recorded it's not in the past in your mind it's in the past in the journal you can more easily go back to it rather than racking your brain um and it's all overwhelmed well we, we funnily enough we have created match day journals in the vault brilliant and what that is is it's a simple it's for junior footballers and it asks them, well, it asks them to record the date, the opposition and the score. And then it asks them four or five simple questions. How did I feel before the game? How did I feel after the game? What coach said I did well? What I think I did well? What I'm going to work on for next week? And, and just as you've said there, Ross, we, this journaling is allowing them to be mindful, but if you like, subconsciously through football. So at the start, they're probably not realising they're being mindful. You ask a kid... You ask a lot of adults what mindfulness is, they won't understand it. Never mind a kid. Mm, So we're allowing them to be mindful through football. And it's then giving them the tools to then, because it's recorded, they can look back. So, for example, I know my son would say, 
oh, I remember when we played Kirk, Kirk Burton away, Dad. We won 2-1. I assisted Jacks, And he'll be going back looking for the results. But then I'll say to him, well, how did you feel before the game, Jude? Well, I felt a bit nervous because they're a big team and they're quite aggressive. And we've always lost to... Um, how did you feel after? I felt great because yeah. I, I really got stuck in. I won my battles. I worked hard. I assisted Jacks. You know, and by doing that weekly... And, and everyone, I think I said to everyone, everyone I study that's successful, they journal, they express, they express gratitude, they look after themselves and they have goals. And mm. although it's really, really, really easy to do that, it's actually very difficult to get into that habit because yeah. it's not yeah, it's the habit. initially, it's not initially quite, you know, you know, like I say, as, as a young person, you get probably a better dopamine hit off, you know, um, Fortnite on the Xbox or yeah. PlayStation and talking with your mates, don't you? Yeah. You know, but but yeah, it, it, it's journaling is one of the easiest things to do, and it just allows you to know where you are, doesn't? It, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think that's something that's really key as well when working with athletes and parents. You know, how can we? You know, obviously I teach certain tools in in sessions and things, but actually outside of sessions, am I supporting that child or that parent to mm. implement that into their busy schedule? Because it's very easy to be forgotten about. Um, so you know do you have five minutes when you wake up do you have five minutes before mm. bed to just do to just practice that you know or or in the car on the way there or using say the warm-up as a for the game as a, as a chance to just practice it while you're moving and while you're mm. focusing on something um and again yeah it's that kind of support as well that i think is key with, in making it a habit um and that's the difference between you know being able doing this doing the the work and then mm. you know six weeks later you've kind of forgotten about it and actually mm. doing it and making it part of your of your day-to-day -day life yeah yeah habits um so what are some practical takeaways that coaches parents and players can start implementing immediately to improve mental health i think i go back again to normalizing it um i just think it's so 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 vital at a young yeah. age um when, we're, when you, you don't understand the emotions you're experiencing, many of which you're experiencing for the first time, and just be, knowing that it is okay. There's other people that have gone through the same thing. They're older than you that succeeded. You're going through a completely normal experience. You're, it's okay to feel that way, mm. and it's all part of what you're doing. Um, that understanding and reminding yourself of that is, is a big thing. There's obviously as well self-care, engaging in self-care, especially for parents and coaches who are often busy uh, or very busy. Um, making that time for yourself to do something that you find relaxing or enjoyable in your day. Mm -hmm. um, taking breaks where you need to, you know, if, if it is getting a lot. Um, and just, yeah, taking a step back and going, OK, what's good for me? Because ultimately, if you're struggling with your mental health, it's likely mm -hmm. that you're not delivering mm -hmm what you want to the to yeah. the players and the kids um so that's really key and then for for the players as well and for parents can assist with this you know are, are you still enjoying football are you actually enjoying this at the minute are you enjoying this level you're playing at maybe they've stepped up a level um are you enjoying it if it's not their aspiration to pursue a career in mm. football then and you're not enjoying it do you, you know you don't need to stay in that situation it might be actually beneficial for their mental health to change that environment and that might mean changing teams it might mean stepping down a level yeah it might mean changing to a different sport but 
if you're not on that journey whereby you know you're going through the challenges of say academy football and it might not be enjoyable all the time but you've mm. you've got that drive and that goal to keep going you know it can be useful to just assess that, that enjoyment sometimes and go okay if you're not enjoying this and we're yeah. not taking this long term what can we change about the situation that might make you happier in it while yeah. still playing football or playing sport whatever it might be excellent excellent well, Ross, thanks so much. There's loads there, you know, for, for for myself as a coach and myself as a parent and everyone else listening to take away from that. Really, really appreciate it. And I think if you could, going to put you on spot now, could you surmise the link between success in football and mental health? Oof. Oof. Tough one. Um, Dropped that on you then, didn't I? I think, I think... I think you know if if you perceive that you've been successful in whatever it, football being the example here, football is likely the the most significant or meaningful thing to that person. If they perceive that they've been successful in in that pursuit in their life, and and that player feels that they've that they're improving and they're they're bettering themselves, I think that it's just it is it's proven to be beneficial for confidence, self esteem. Um, there may still be kind of anxiety there, but generally when we experience that that success and those positive experience, we were able to manage it a lot more. Um, our motivation's better when we're succeeding because we're seeing the results of that commitment. Um, and I think, yeah, it, ju- it just kind of feeds in to to all, all that good stuff, focus, motivation, confidence. Um, you know, the adversities seem worth it. Yeah when we're succeeding um and so that process of overcoming them again is is a bit easier um and so i think that's the link yeah it kind of it feeds into those those positive psychological experiences um whereby you know we we feel like we're moving in the right direction yeah. um and so our mental health benefits because we're we're living the way we want to live Okay, so again, another one here, because you just, as you've said that, something else has come to me. On the flip side, then, when things aren't going so well, because when things are going well, you know, the, the hurdles still come at you, but they seem easy to jump over, don't they? Because you're running yeah. quicker, you've got your stride. When things are going so well, they seem to come quicker and they seem to be higher, don't they, metaphorically? Yeah, yeah. So when things aren't going so well and the hurdles are coming at you quicker and they're a bit higher than what they used to be, could you give us some tips around could you talk about very briefly about visualization then and how that can help in a in a, in a football sense to maybe help overcome these hurdles as they come in at you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so imagery is you know is just one one technique that you know we might use um to train to train uh imagery it can be useful to to yeah kind of especially if if it's if you're anticipating it, it's going to be quite a stressful or pressurizing situation can be useful to kind of immerse yourself in that experience in your own mind um trying to incorporate as many elements of the actual experience as possible so you may actually physically go to the pitch that you're going to play on yes you might go in your boots and shin pads even though there's no one around but people walking the dogs um you know recreate that will be in the environment try and consider the emotions you might be feeling um or you tell your child to do this um you know Im- imagine performing at the speed you're going to be you're going to be moving at at that, at that point um 
yeah it's just try and recreate as much of the of the experience as possible and the idea being that we can essentially feel it before we feel it mm. um and you can also try you can also do it to improve um kind of skills and technique as well but that's another whole another whole another issue but yeah the idea being that, that we're preparing for that adversity in our mind before we experience it real life and we've almost acclimatized to it uh, yeah. in our head and we've thought about some aspects of it so we know what to expect mm. the flip side the flip side being that if something comes along that we don't expect yeah are we then thinking about oh, oh god i didn't i didn't image yeah. this and now it's happening yeah. um yeah. but again that's where that kind of thought management comes in yeah um and being able to refocus on that present moment uh that's really important i think what i've always done is always i'm not saying this would work for anyone else but it does for me i always bring into my head the worst possible scenario because if i'm prepared for that anything else is a bonus and i think yeah. if i can handle the worst possible scenario in my head at whatever i'm doing if i'm ready for that the likelihood of the worst possible scenario happening is very very slim because fear is like well what do you think what's going to happen oh it's this that's yeah. never going to happen so if i prepare myself for the worst thing any step up from that or above i'm i'm yeah. Yeah. you know i'm up for it so yeah that's, that's, a that's how to, i deal with it yeah and that's a good way to i guess combat that element of of something unexpected happening because you know if you feel like you have thought of the worst case scenario then even if that unexpected event happens you consider something similar or of similar significance yeah. to you yeah, it works for me, but I'm not saying it works for everyone. So, Ross, thanks so much. I could have really listened listened to you all day and kept asking you questions, but I know we can't do that. So really, really, really appreciate it, Ross. Uh, just remind us where we can find you, name your company and your website, please. So, yeah, my company is uh, Challenger Mindset. The website's www.challenger-mindset.com. Um, I've recently released uh, a new program called the Kickstart Mindset Training Program, which is specifically for uh, youth footballers um, and aspiring young footballers, um, where we work on essentially becoming um, just kind of developing that courage, focusing on what they can control. Um, and also, uh, I've lost the second to the third C, <laughs> coping. Um, coping. Developing those skills to be able to cope with the setbacks and the uh, challenges um, of being uh, an aspiring young footballer um, with the aim of kind of helping players thrive, become, be able to respond to setbacks, developing that resilience that we've spoken about um, and focusing on those actions that can help them close that gap between what they produce yeah. on the pitch and what's, what their true potential is. Um, Instagram and social media, you can find me at Challenger Mindset underscore on Instagram. Uh, I also have a Facebook page. If you just type in Challenger Mindset, um, it should come up. And then Twitter, um, I am ch underscore mindset, at ch underscore mindset. Brilliant. Well, I'll put all the links on the vault and on the podcast. Brilliant. And I was going to say to you, let's do that again, Ross, that final bit. But I thought, no, because we've been talking about that it's okay to make mistakes. It's no big deal <laughs> and we all do them. So I thought, you know, if I went, oh, Ross, we'll cut that and do it right. No. <laughs> you know life is making mistakes yeah. and this is on the fly and we're all going to make them aren't we so thanks for that ross and thanks for that little lesson at the end i really appreciate no it mate. no worries ross, thank you thanks ross for having Preston, me on. challenger mindset thanks so much thanks a lot bud thanks danny thanks mate